to linger here like this Hold your hand and steal a kiss or two On the front porch with you Hello and welcome to On the Front Porch with us, your regular Disney podcast. My name is Josh Whitehead. Tony's not with us this week. He's got stuff to do. But I am joined by three of my best friends, Connor Davis, Jack Kittrell, and Beardy, who you'll know from previous episodes, like when we did Big Hero 6, Beardy was here. And is that the only one you did? Did you do another one? No, that was the only one. That was the only one you did? Okay. Well, nonetheless... I, I'm very excited to be here with these guys, and we just got done, actually, watching Wally. So thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate you having us. Yeah. So first of all, because I've got two new people on the show, every time I bring a guest on the show, or me and Tony bring a guest on the show, we do sort of like a rapid-fire question with the guest thing to see if you can answer them pretty quickly and how well you do. Do, so, we, do we answer at the same time? No. No. Right. It'll be like a so rapid fire for Connor and then a rapid fire for Jim. <laughs> right. Well, right. you'll both answer. I'll just go from one to the other. So, first question. You guys ready? You guys ready to do this? I am. Okay. So, Connor, favorite Disney princess? Uh, Jasmine. Okay. Jack, same question. Ariel, I think? Sure. Okay. Connor, favorite Disney movie? Uh, that would have... Ooh, that's actually kind of tough for me. Rapid fire. Um, <laughs> I'm to sure. Uh, Lion King. Lion King. Okay, Jack. Same question. Does up count? I, I know it's Pixar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's also Disney. It's fine. Uh, no, no, I like it. There's plenty of There's plenty of those. Okay, <laughs> Connor. Favorite non Disney princess. Non Disney. Non Disney princess. Does Eve count? <laughs> Eve is not a no. Well, she's not a princess, and also she's, she's Disney. Disney. What about? Princess Diane. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's a <laughs> princess. Disney. <laughs> Jack. Kate, no, Kate Middleton's not a princess, is she? No. no. Who's, who's, the, who's the one Kate Middleton, the model? Who's the one who got married like five or six years ago? They have like three kids now. I don't know. Right. Her name is Kate, but I don't remember her last name. Let's, let's just say Princess Kate. That's fine. All right. That's, uh, whatever. <laughs> At that point, Jack, you can go ahead and just name any princess. You can just say uh, Princess Frank. I like Princess, <laughs> princess <laughs> Melissa. Okay. Connor, favorite non-Disney movie? Uh, that would have to be Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Okay, Jack. Uh, recently, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. We actually have seen it now, by the way. Disney, <laughs> that is Disney, though. Technically, it is Disney. Uh, so, you cannot use that. I will give it to you. I'll give it to you because it's Marvel Studios. <laughs> Connor, favorite flower? Uh, that would have to be the uh, orchid. 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 Yeah. Jack, favorite flower. Poppy. Pop. Poppy. Yeah. Okay. Poppies are flower. Okay. Yeah. Me whatever. Down. Okay. Connor, favorite non-Disney flower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Josh, I'm gonna have to give up on that one. <laughs> orchid. Orchid. Good one. Whole wheat. Whole wheat. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I like good, good on you. That was a good one. Okay, last question. Connor, favorite brother who hosts this podcast? <laughs> You've got me in a bind here, John. <laughs> There's only one answer. Okay, let, let me rephrase the question. I'm going to go with the one who's most present. Let me rephrase the question so that Jack can answer it correctly. Favorite younger brother who hosts this podcast who doesn't smell and isn't too tall. <laughs> 
That would be you. Yes, that is me. <laughs> Tony, I know you're listening to this later. <laughs> In the future. <laughs> In the future. You're smelly and tall. And so that's yeah, not the favorite. I would thanks for that, guys. Uh, you get to know these guys a little bit better. Actually, why don't we take a second, Connor? Actually, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm currently a senior at ECU. Um, I've known you for about what good fifteen? Yeah, like fifteen years. years. Now? Yeah, yeah, I've known you for a darn long time. I'm actually friends with all these guys here, so it's not like you know it's weird or anything. Um, I'm you know I, there's not really a lot to say about me. Um, I'm not interesting. That's one thing. <laughs> okay. Jack, tell us about yourself. What do you do? I work in research, testing compounds and stuff to make sure they don't hurt people. I'm a human? Question mark. We're still figuring that one out. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, a group journey that the four of us and several others are helping me through. Yeah. I've known Josh for we think ten years now. Close to ten, I think. Yeah. And then uh, Connor for seven. Yeah. And Beardy for like. Three or four. Four, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Tony for a while. Yeah, about, about the same About the same as me, yeah. yeah. So, these are my friends. <laughs> if, if you want the answer, my answers to these questions, go back and watch Big Hero 6 episode, or yeah. listen to it. And, and watch Big Hero 6 Watch episode. it again. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. You All can right. watch it again. Right now. Stop, stop <laughs> the podcast. No. Go watch it again now. No, Jack. You don't get to control when they pause. I get <laughs> to control when they pause. Don't pause yet. We'll get there. So, like I said, we watched Wally, and I was—it's great when we all get to watch stuff together because we can compare notes and sort of make jokes as we go through. And having four of us, I think we're gonna have a, a pretty good time talking about it. So, before we get into it, I do have some cool trivia for you guys. So, Wally is 2008, directed by Andrew Stanton, the same guy who directed Finding Nemo. He is known as being a great director. You know, did, did very well. This is one of like. Four Disney movies, or Pixar movies, excuse me, to win Oscars for Best Animated Picture, Incredibles, Finding Nemo, this one, and I don't know what the other one is, Up, I think. Up was the other one. And two of those were Andrew Stanton. So you can see that he's got some pull. He's definitely very, very good in the Pixar community. Oh, uh, yeah. Connor has a, a note here for trivia. Why don't you give him that one? Um, so actually, Wally was the first full-length feature film to actually utilize live action. Um, I know there's some uh, smaller companies that are doing it more now, but this is the biggest one for Pixar to actually involve, you know, real humans and actual different movie segments from other you know, movies and stuff. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, the first one that they've done. I don't know if they've done another one since then that includes live action, but I mean they've done some short film stuff. Sure, but, some shorts. But nothing like that. Yeah. So. Uh, the next one that I have is that Stanton and Pixar watched all of the Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton movies and everything for like a year and a half. But during their lunch breaks, they would take their lunch breaks and watch these Buster Keaton movies and Charlie Chaplin movies as uh, inspiration for the visual storytelling of the the movie. Beardy, you know a little bit about this too, right? Yeah, it, because of the fact that they're dealing with robots for the majority of the movie and the robots don't really say a whole lot. Right. They want to make sure that they were able to tell the story properly just through the visual aspects of the animation. Right. And so they went back to the classics of Charlie Chaplin and uh, Buster Keaton for the silent movies yeah. because those were able to portray those stories in that way. Yeah. So silent storytelling, like 
I don't know if you guys know, or if you noticed, there's very little talking dialogue at all in this movie. Up until the last, like, 30 minutes of the movie, there's practically no dialogue at all, which I'm sure you did notice. The first Pixar movie to be nominated for an Academy Award, or for six Academy Awards, excuse me, tied with uh, only other animated film, which wasn't even Pixar, uh, which is Beauty and the Beast. That did very well and won a couple. Sputnik... One was the first man-made object in orbit and is the last piece of debris as Wally leaves the atmosphere, which is really funny. I thought that was that was pretty cool. For those of you who don't know what Sputnik is, uh, if when you're watching the movie, it's going to be the spherical object with the four legs protruding from it, and it's the last piece of debris that floats out of the screen whenever Wally's holding on to the spaceship. Yeah. And that's not the last thing that you see. It's just the last one out of the atmosphere because there is the thing on the moon. There's also the the landing gear that was set on the moon that he passes. Ben Burt, who played Wally, the voice of Wally, also swore to never work on another movie with robots after Revenge of the Sith. But he changed his mind when he saw the idea for this movie. He he was he did like just foley work for the uh, Star Wars movies, right? He didn't play a character. I don't think so. I think he just did foley work. Yeah. Anyway, it's really cool that they got him back for this one just because he had a thing against robots, I guess, or he never thought that anything would ever top Star Wars. I, I think it was more the fact that uh, all of the movies for that he's worked on with robots have very similar ideas about what robots are. Yeah. And so he was like, I don't really want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. But whenever he saw how original this script was, yeah. he was like, I'll be a part of that. I will do this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a very unique story. I mean, most people would argue that. I've only got a few more here. I've got that the average storyboards for Pixar movies are 75,000 storyboards. This movie had 125,000 storyboards. So a good deal more storyboard went into the processing before this movie came out. And you can see it. It, The story is so well written and very much deserved to win that Best Animated Feature. I have that Wall-E is a reference to Walter Elias Disney, who would be Walt Disney's real name. That's really cool that they gave that. The Roach, his best friend, uh, Wally's best friend, the Roach, is named for, or is named Hal, even though it's never said. His name is Hal, as a an homage to the silent film producer, Hal Roach, and also as a reference to Hal 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey, 1968. So that's that's pretty cool. Kind of funny. And that's all I got as far as that goes. I've got a couple more that we'll throw in as we go along. But let's take a second. What do you guys think? Do you guys have any theme ideas for the movie? What do you think the theme might be? Jack? I picked up a concept of life against harsh odds. Okay. Nam- namely from the plant's point of view. You kind of get stuck in a fridge, yeah. and you're just sitting there and sitting there, and it gets opened, and then you get blasted into outer space, and um, on top of that, there was, uh, with the passengers on the Axiom, all the replacements that Wally had to do to survive on the Earth, which we'll get into later, Yeah, and that sort of thing, there's a constant struggle for life. Yeah, that life persists. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. Connor? Actually, that's kind of branching off that one, I guess, because uh, that's really the theme that I got majority out of the whole thing. But it's also like you see what the plant goes through. And if you kind of go back in time a little bit, you see that the um, that the actual people had to go through the same thing. 
Yeah. They had to wait. They did, you know, the process was changing around them. They actually had to find some kind of way to survive, to get out there. It really does show kind of like survival of the fittest. Yeah. But I think it's it, all together. It also shows how technology can blind us from the actual natural environment that we know the one that's already given to us, because there's a lot, there's a lot of amazing things that just going outside can do for you. I mean, you can get just 30 minutes outside can give you your full daily amount of, uh, from a room filled with four Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, you're, you're not wrong now. Again, I'd like to introduce Beardy. He hasn't spoken much yet because I was going to give him a moment here. Why don't you reintroduce yourself, Beardy, and give us a theme that you picked up? Uh, well, for those of you who don't know, I'm Beardy, and I am friends with Josh for a long time now. Tony, a little bit longer. Uh, I work with computers, and I'm here in pretty much that capacity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think of myself as the technology advisor. Uh, yeah. So... Outside of that, uh, as far as the themes go, I really saw the themes of how much we rely on machines in our daily lives to the point that we could potentially end up like the people on the Axiom where we're not doing anything and we're being completely self-reliant on these robots to do everything for us, whether it's to bring us food to break the even the chairs were robotic and they were moving the people around the ship (laughs) even though the people had absolutely no idea what was going on right so just like in big hero six again go listen back to that episode is a great one but just like in big hero six beardy is kind of like our our resident advisor in terms of robotics uh so that's sort of what i i asked beardy to look at towards the the beginning of this movie and get him to sort of uh, give us an idea of, of what implications this movie has in terms of robotics. So we're probably going to move that towards the end as we talk about that, just like we did in Big Hero 6. And a few hypotheticals, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Stanton, Andrew Stanton, the director of the movie, quoted that his what he believed the theme of this movie to be is that irrational love conquers anything, including programming, which I think is a pretty great theme. I think that for me, there are two separate stories, though, going on in this movie. There is the story that we see, the the robots story, which is, I think the theme is that, the, that irrational love conquers programming, the the theme of directive being, being like a primary goal. And then there's the greater theme, the greater story that's happening, and that is the thing going on with Earth and the... the people on the ship and so in that story i think the the themes would be things like environmentalism and consumerism i think that those are a big big talking point that we will certainly get so with that i will have you press pause and go watch this movie because it is excellent 2008 wally go find it watch it and pause and we're back it's just that easy i hope that you watched it if you didn't i know it just i know he really does I have I've got a, a inkling I'm a looking spidey at it. sense. I'm looking at his list of all the people who didn't watch it. It is extensive. He sees you when you're <laughs> watching. <laughs> so what do you guys think? Especially I guess this intro scene is the first thing we should talk about. I just I don't know what it is about it that makes me smile. It might be the music. 
the music in the movie is all around great. I would hope it's the music. We we see scenes of devastation. Sure. The station of Earth. At, but at the very beginning, it's like the swirl through oh, space, space, and it's yeah. like pretty, and then we it's, it's like all this beautiful, like almost picturesque. It's it's like it's it looks like a, a photograph from a telescope. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And then you're right. Then it's like nasty garbage everywhere. Yeah, just it kind of goes from pretty, pretty, pretty to trash, trash, trash. And it's like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that really does set up for how this movie is going to be because you get like all you get this really happy feeling and everything, and then it's like oh reality. So yeah, like, you're not really paying attention to the backdrop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and think about I mean, it goes ties in with the rest of the movie, including the people on the axiom. So yeah, I think that was a very well made opening sequence for yeah. this movie that you you're obliviously happy. Yes. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good theme, too, I, I think. So, we get to, to Earth, and for whatever reason, it's just, like, trash. Just so much fucking trash. I don't know, let's talk, like, this actually genuinely bothered me in this movie. <laughs> and that's the, the fact that, like, how did you accumulate this much trash? You, you, like, you get to the point where there's trash in every single street, uh, like, every square inch has some trash in it. And you're like, well, let's get on the ship now. Now the the, the deed is done. Yeah. Let's get on the, the, the boat and go elsewhere. Like that it was crazy to me. How, why is there that much trash? They they forgot how landfills work. Yeah. Obviously. Everywhere's landfill. Yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but I feel like if we're looking at this space from a robotic standpoint where we have Wally the and his brother and who are essentially making cubes of this stuff to sort of get it out of the way. We also have to realize that there's the possibility that there are other robots that are purposely moving the trash to the streets to make it easier to access for Wally and his brethren. So uh, I don't necessarily know as if while the people of Earth were there before they left, that it looked the way it did, but there's been 700 years of robots pushing everything to the streets that it makes it look like people were just filthy animals while they're living on Earth. Yeah. So Wally is just trucking. He's doing the job. He, the first time we see him, he is out and about, just going through the streets and doing the job, doing his his directive, which is to cube up trash and make buildings. Yeah. Trash towers. Trash towers. Which, side note. Not really moving the trash out of the city. No. He does a very good job of making good structures. But <laughs> I mean, they're I, pretty... I put that on by and large. Yeah. It, it's definitely... I thought it was funny that he's building these towers. And yes, it's it's taking them out of every square inch. But it's like, now you've got a whole city that just smells like shit. Oh, I forgot to mention. This is an adult comedy podcast. So if you were a child... It's too late. It's yeah. too late for you. You are now an adult. You are now legally. an adult. Can I get you a coffee, some some lottery tickets, maybe a cigar? Because you, child, are now a grown man. <laughs> we don't actually condone <laughs> children smoking cigars. No, yeah, no we do not no. condone this. No, it's not a good idea unless you are indeed a an adult teen baby, in which case, <laughs> by all means. But really, don't let your kids listen to this podcast. We say fuck a lot, or at least I do. So don't. 
is the point. Thank you. Back to, to what we were saying. Now there's towers of shit. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool is the word you want it's to use for real. towers of shit. It's pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> and then we get to meet his his, his friend, his little owl friend, the roach. What, what do you guys think about this? I know you have a note about this, actually, don't you, Jack? Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed the fact that how later in the movie, when we go back to Wally's collection of things, yeah. that he opens the Twinkie and the cockroach goes into the Twinkie to get that nice, tasty cream instead of just like <laughs> going from the top and getting at the spongy, crappy bits yeah. on the outside. Well, it almost seems like it's like a, a, a house for him, doesn't it? I feel like yeah. when he jumps in it, it's like a pillow uh, of cream. Of and cream. Sweet. Well, and, so I think this is this is obviously a reference to the urban myth that. Twinkies and cockroaches will survive a nuclear holocaust. Oh, absolutely. Which is funny and great because if anything was going to survive, I would hope it would be Twinkies. I love Twinkies. <laughs> I, I know you don't. Yeah, I, I enjoy them. It is um, an acquired taste. It's very, yeah, you're right about that. But anyway, we got this cool cockroach who is his best friend. And as you mentioned, we have this, and I think this is the first major talking point. We have this like treasure trove. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think that his collection is complete? Wouldn't you think that he's a robot? A robot who has everything? He's got a dingle hopper, but it's more like a spoon. Alright, here you go. Well, that's actually something that I wanted to discuss, was the fact that he has this collection of spoons and this collection of forks, and then he brings home this, <laughs> this fork. And you can see, there's this internal debate in this tiny little robot of, do I put it with the spoons? <laughs> do I put it with the forks? And you can just tell that there was some sort of logic process going on in, that had to have been programmed for it to be like, yes, this has the characteristics of a spoon, but it also has the characteristics of a fork. I don't know what spoon, fork, spoon, fork, fork, put spoon. it in the middle. <laughs> It makes me kind of want to believe he goes out and gets a cup specifically for yeah for stoners. <laughs> He's just like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this. <laughs> you start a new category. You got to. I will say, I think it's interesting. I really uh, this this brings up a greater question of how is he emotionally capable? How do, how is he able to to distinguish that these things are valuable? Right? He he's like he is at this point a scavenger. Yeah. He's doing the job, but he's also scavenging. He sees something that he thinks is pretty or interesting, and he takes it home. And he's got all this shit that is ultimately useless. Like, he can't do anything with it, but it's cool, and it's a memory of something. And it's it's something that he finds interesting enough to keep. And I, I don't, I'll branch off of that, too, here. I also don't think it's just something that he thinks is interesting enough. I think he was built and designed to find things to use... For a greater purpose, like he takes the hubcap and uses it for the hat to to learn how to do the dances. And stuff. I think as it, as he finds things, maybe based off of that that particular movie, which was Hello Dolly, by the way, based on that particular movie, he's like trying to find things to emulate that later. But at the beginning part, I, I yeah, I don't necessarily know. That, I mean, this is one of the big questions that is currently going on with this movie and outside of the movie is like. For an AI with emotions, do you program those in, or do you let the robot learn those? Right. And we'll touch on this more towards the end, but I definitely feel like a lot of what we're seeing with Wally is a learned behavior. Yeah. Um, in that he starts 
doing this repetitive job over and over again till finally something catches his interest and that's the first item that he saves he doesn't compact right and then he starts realizing oh well it's not going to be a big issue if i save a couple of these things and pretty soon you have this collection that what of what he has and then he finds the tape of hello dolly yeah and is like well i have this thing it looks like a hat i'll learn how to dance with it <laughs> and so i don't necessarily know as if that's going to be a program behavior yeah yeah i think it's really cool though too how uh he goes through his like his stack and it's like every single line has is is segmented. It's it's a category. So like he has one whole stack for his own repair parts. Mm-hmm. He has a thing that he designed, that determines as a toy or something like that. You saw the Rubik's cube. You saw a uh, lighter. There's yeah. There's a lighter. You know, and, and some of it could just be you know, hey, here's repair parts, and the rest of this is just miscellaneous <laughs> junk. There's a possibility. But there there but does seem to be a method. A, yeah, there is a method in madness. I will say too that I think it's really cool. Based on what Beardy said just now, is that like he he's finding things, and whether or not it's a learned behavior is hard to, to tell. Would you say, Beardy, that it's a learned behavior from the movie, or because you have to imagine that there were other Wally units beforehand? And do you think that what I'm asking is, do you think that he learned these behaviors are initially from? other Wally units and their task makers and then sprouted off after he found the, the movie, maybe it, it went more. Well, I definitely think we can't determine one way or the other with the other Wally units because we never actually see Right. It. But I do think that he does have the sense of like, okay, well, I'm the people who designed me and programmed me would keep trinkets and everything for themselves. I, I want to have, if I'm going to mimic any sort of human behavior, then we can hold on to these trinkets. And I don't think right, that was a learned behavior from the movie, but I think more of the emotional side of Wally, the dancing, the, uh, the interest holding of using, hands, holding yeah. hands and everything. I definitely think that comes from the movie, the learned behavior from the movie. It's just that that only happened after he saved the Hello Dolly tape. Yeah. Because he was trying to act like his creators. Okay. Jack, you had something. Yeah, I, I just kind of thought of... Um, I don't think this theory has a lot of legs to it uh, because he learned from the film it's not an inherent trait to him but there'd be a little bit of just like pinocchio undertones while he wanting to be a real human like not i don't think uh, there's not much of it yeah i imagine it started as mimics like hey this is kind of yeah. cool well at the same time i feel like that's what a lot of ais are trying to do is yeah they mimic what the their creators do in the hopes of trying to fulfill their programming right and in that case, that goes back to the question of, is this something that's programmed into them, or is it a learned behavior? Right. Which is kind of, in itself, a, a, a little bit of a difficult question, because technically, wouldn't it also, would that not be part of the programming? I feel like it would be part of the programming to learn. To and learn, adapt. yeah. Um, and I, but I don't think that 
any programmer or creator of an AI can expect to know yeah. uh, exactly just how far that, I I guess what you would call curiosity, would actually get them. Yeah. Uh, because really in this movie, Wally is embodying curiosity. Like, he, he is filled with this childlike curiosity through the entire movie. And he's, he's got, like, a, a base knowledge of understanding a lot of menial things, these little trinkets that he picks up. He has a base knowledge of understanding. Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing to point out, is he's still very innocent. Yeah. I mean, it, throughout the entire movie, his entire focus is, I like Eve. I'm going to follow Eve. I'm going to keep trying to get to Eve. Yeah. Oh, this plant will make Eve happy. Let's give her that. Which emotion it, well, it sort of roots back into it, but still, it's this innocence throughout the entire thing where he's Eve has this idea of I have this directive. We have to do these sorts of things in order to push the mission forward. Yeah. And she has. It's almost as if she has the ability to have some sort of higher thinking involved. Yeah. Whereas Wally has the mind of a child. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of which, Eve arrives in her big ship with the red dot. Right after, uh, right after he, Wally happens to find the plant, which is kind of ironic and, and cool timing that that happened that way. How plot convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Because we didn't sit around for two hours just watching <laughs> Wally do stuff. Yeah. So we move along. Eve arrives in a very scary moment for Wally. <laughs> He's just like yeah. digging for light. <laughs> Comes up, definitely got heated. You see sort of the red scarring. Yeah. Like uh, which that actually is another thing to, to really think about is the, this whole self-preservation of digging yeah. to try and save himself. Was that, how did he learn that? That couldn't, yeah, have, that couldn't have been a learned behavior. Well, but it couldn't have been a program behavior either. I wouldn't think. Yeah. Well, I think self-preservation would be, it's just a matter of how he figured out how to do that. I'll actually kind of go against that point. I do think it was actually a program behavior because you can see a sign that says, uh, Wall E digging you out, you know, and stuff like that. There's, yeah. there's stuff out there <laughs> saying he's actually he's technically digging when he's putting that stuff into his compartment. So yeah. him knowing how to shovel stuff out of the way to get you know to an area, I think I think he's programmed to know. Hey, let's let's get to let's get to safety. This may be safer for me. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about self-preservation towards the end as well. That's one of Beauty's notes. So. She arrives, she takes the boot, or, yeah, she takes the plant, and, or, actually, before that, she, um, she does, like, an initial scan, and there's nothing, and this is, this is something that I notice for several of the robots, not even, not even just Eve, but this theme of directive, right? She gets there, she does the, the initial job, and then sort of, like, flies around as if she's playing, like, it's it's almost like doing the directive until no one is watching and then playing be, being childlike being innocent i think that's really interesting i what what do you what are you guys thoughts on that jack jack <laughs> <laughs> nothing no. cool the best i got is like stretching your legs after a long road trip well yeah i mean you're not wrong <laughs> and then he makes even just one move, and it's like back to reality. Somebody's watching again. I really, I think that's interesting. Also, he must eliminate those who watch. Apparently, yeah. Well, because I'm sure that part of the thing was like, if there's anything down there, fucking mutants, 
fucking mutant zombies. Blow, blow blow those things up. If you see anything move, you kill it. <laughs> yeah. But immediately he's he's drawn to Eve. Maybe because she's like white and pretty and not like not covered in shit. Well, I I feel like that's <laughs> if we're going to talk about how he's emulating human behavior, think about it this way. You have a phone and Connor gets a new a newer version of that phone. You immediately are like, oh, that's really awesome, that's and you're pretty. drawn to that yeah. phone. And in the case of Wally and Eva, it's very obvious that there are many di- many generations apart as far as technology goes. Yeah, Wally is all very mechanical, has the tracks, everything connects. Whereas with Eva, it's much more magnetic. Uh, the parts aren't necessarily touching <sighs> itself and themselves but more um, magnetically bonded to yeah. each other. Okay. So I think it, at least at the beginning, it's a, this other robot, it, I, I know it's a robot, but it looks different, and it's going back to that curiosity of his. Yeah. Of what why, is this. Yeah, why is this so much crazier than me? Like, it can fly and stuff. Yeah, I want to collect it. <laughs> I will put it in my truck house. Yeah. <laughs> he successfully does yeah, so. He does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if we're moving towards the truck house, like showing Eve all this stuff, one thing I noticed when Molly gives her the light bulb and she lights it up, it almost looks like she sticks out her pinky to light it up. Like just a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, she does do a flicking. She, she like does yeah, like, to get it to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a weird note, but you're right. Yeah, it was, well, it was kind of strange. And at the same time, you can tell, like, she, whenever she picks it up right at the very beginning, it's not turned on. She, it's like she can control, yeah. she can control the electrical impulses within her own body to be able to send the electrical charge, like the light bulb, and come back. Yeah. Creating a cool And he's like, he, like, takes it and he's like, do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and she takes it back and does it. He's like, nah, whatever. Bad <laughs> magics, or, or even then, I like how he, he gives her the Rubik's cube. Like, look at this thing! I've been trying to solve it for the longest time, and then she just he turns away for literally two seconds, and it's done. He grabs it like, what the fuck? No, I think for me it was like, here's this. Look at this pretty several colored cube, and then she she does the thing. He turns around, he turns back, and it's it's solved. And he's like, you broke it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's how I imagined it. I do want to say, because I didn't get a chance to say it before, WALL-E is an acronym, and so is Eve. WALL-E stands for Waste Allocation Load Lifter, and the E stands for Earth Class. And you'll see later in the movie the, the really big ones that are on the ship. They're called WALL-A's because they're Waste Allocation Load Lifters. Axiom Class, because Axiom is the, the name of the ship. Eve... Her acronym is Extraterrestrial Vegetation Evaluator, which is why when you saw Eve get back onto the ship and there were like several Eves, it's because they were going to different planets looking for... Uh, not different planets, different parts of the same planet, I think. I imagine they were probably looking at other ones too because it's extraterrestrial. I well, imagine they well, were probably looking at multiple planets to maybe. try and find any kind of plant life. Maybe you can kind of go both like both yeah, segments sure. of that because you saw only Eve take care of one place, one which of course yeah. she was only there for at least a day. So I mean, it's not like she's going to scan the whole thing, go to China and scan the whole thing there. Yeah. But then it's also like you know the the, the ship. I'm pretty sure a gigantic ship like that is not going to just send out one little probe and then be like later 
fuck am I, and then just yeah. go right back to the axiom. I imagine it's got multiple pods to, to do that, which actually, you see it offload multiple probes afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's that's what they stand for. There, she, she is presented with the plant after a, a very awkward encounter with the movie and Wally <laughs> trying to like show her what dancing is and her like bouncing, bouncing, bouncing and breaking <laughs> shit. And he's like, no, 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 that's great. Yes, yes, Uh-oh. good, good, good. Stop. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, just stop. It's great. You did so good. You win. <laughs> no one ever has to dance again. <laughs> so he, uh, he gives her the plant, and she just sort of like collapses into into a dormant sleep, yeah sleep mode essentially. And I guess calling for a, a, a ship right like, as soon as it happens a beacon yeah a beacon yeah. happens and then a ship comes to pick her up. So when this happens, there's this like beautiful scene of him like being her sleep boyfriend, which is kind of creepy. <laughs> um, I would have liked to have thought it more of like caretaker yeah somebody sure somebody goes into a coma and that person's just trying to like get them to wake up yeah but you don't carry around a person in a coma like a balloon <laughs> well, most people in comas don't float that's like, true wait, 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 that's true wait you don't do that <laughs> no no <laughs> um, you have something to say about your crap no, nothing nothing no. she's fine everything's great so it, it's it's kind of cute and there's the whole like la vie en rose playing and it's like a beautiful song and a beautiful scene yeah it's nice well something else to point out is um going back to what you were saying before of um following the following the directive until nobody's watching i mean this is essentially wally playing hooky instead of going out and collecting trash and everything he's going out he's on a gondola with uh, the (laughs) dormant eve he's trying to wake her up by charging her um, which also is a very interesting Easter egg for those who don't know, but, um, mm. the, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But the intro, it's like he has decided to lay off from his directive for the time being to take care of Eve and try and wake her up again. Yeah. And this is actually something we'll get to a little later because Connor made a note, uh, about like choosing directive when we're on the ship, but we'll, we'll get to that once we get to the ship. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful scene. He does see he's, it's, it's Wally's day off. He's they're in town. They're on, (laughs) they're on, um, New York, just down the New York strip and singing, uh, on a, on a parade float. Uh, and they steal his other, his friend's car. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, that's a Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't know if I did a good job explaining it. If you caught that. I, 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 <laughs> I was there. I was okay. yeah. You were with me. Okay, I didn't know if it was clear enough. Um, so, Wally's Day Off. Yeah, it, I think it is interesting um, that he did that. I, I, we'll, we'll get to it, though. We'll get to that part. Um, also, I, I thought it was really interesting uh, going with the consumerism part of, of everything is that <laughs> there's like by and large store obviously it's, it's basically Walmart uh, there's a by and large bank there's a by and large transit system um, the by and large CEO of the world as opposed to like president um, by and large box outside yeah. the bank 
Yeah, it's like it's really uh, interesting that that's sort of the direction they took, as if to say like whether or not this is actually our world, we we can't say. But like it got to the point in this world that business was that a single corporation was doing that much. Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, we'll get more on consumerism in the actual ship because the ship is just consumerism landmine. Uh, but uh, the ship shows up to take Eve away after a very uh, creepy moment of him trying to hold her hand while she was dormant um, and like getting yeah getting his hand stuck. Pretty weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, he gets, uh, she gets sucked away. He takes uh, another ship. He takes a different ship, no, right? He, he grabs no. on. He grabs on to the outside. He grabs on. And miraculously has the grip strength to hold on as I mean, we leave Earth. That's not so crazy. And, like, he's got, he gets them clasped, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to question it. There's a plant in space, too. I don't, I don't care. What should have gotten this <laughs> but that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, and oh, sound oh you space. have the plant. Oh, oh no. 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 Um, and sound in space. There's not sound in space either, but it's okay. Whatever. Um, they get to the ship, and uh, we meet um, Mo for the first time. Mo is super cute and a very, very funny side character in this movie. Uh, very good comic relief for an already pretty comically relieved. <laughs> yeah. Like, because Wally's comic relief in himself. For those who haven't actually picked up on who Mo is, Mo is the cleaning robot. Yeah. Just yeah. want to throw that out yeah, there. Yeah, where the <laughs> there, there's a little bit of uh, uh, the, the foreign contaminant. Foreign contaminant on Eve. And he's like, oh, clean that right up. And then Wally's like 100% foreign contaminant. Because Eve was made on the ship, Wally is technically materials that weren't made on the ship, so it's foreign to the ship. Um, so, kind of funny. Um, and we're going to get more into Mo's issues with Directive uh, in just a second, too. Uh, Eve gets taken off, whisked off, um, because she's got green. She's got that green thumb. Or what would be a thumb. And... If, yeah, I don't know if there's actually a... She's got fingers. I mean, she has, like, the... What would simulate uh, an opposable thumb. Sure. But, I mean, it is... Semantics. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> We're dealing with robot yeah. bodies. Uh, so, we come to the ship, and this is the second half of the story. Or, this is when the story really starts to happen. Um, so, uh, we discover that uh, there... This has been the, this way for 700 plus years, um, just on the ship alone, um, and we find out that like the autopilot has been doing stuff and kind of keeping the captain in the dark, um, and sort of. It, I think actually I read a thing that this was the ship is supposed to be based on Disney luxury cruises, which is pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's kind of like I'm not sure if that's a good thing because yeah. you're having fun. You're living the life, but not forever. <laughs> well, I think that even as it started out, the people were like, okay, well, this will just be for a few years. Yeah, it's like a luxury cruise for like yeah. two years. Hell yeah. yeah. 
And so, like, <laughs> everyone was completely on board with it. Yeah. And then, as time went on, and as we see, like, the directive of um, Auto, Auto yeah. just change entirely from helping the captain navigate to essentially keeping everyone in the dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, if you're on a cruise for a long period of time, and you forget what land looks like, I feel like we would all be in a similar state. Yeah. Uh, so they, they go, and like, Wally's leaving tracks everywhere. Uh, and this was, a, you actually made a reference to this, Connor. This is the part that you had like, caught you, was when Otto yeah. is riding along the line yeah, at Mo. Mo, not Otto. Mo is riding along the these designated lines. You're not supposed to go out of the lines. And there's a track in front of him of where Wally went. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's funny because you see Mo, he's literally like tearing his own mind apart. He's looking at the tracks and looking at the line he has to follow. Then back at the tracks, like I, I'm supposed to clean, but I'm supposed to only go on this line. And then you see him like, all right, well, take a chance. I got to clean. I got to do this. And he jumps off of the line. And he's he's preparing for the worst. It looks like he's literally about to be destroyed the second he jumps off this line. But then he realizes it's okay, and he's like, all right, fuck it. Let's go clean. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he gives like a little chuckle. Her. He gives like a little chuckle and like a yee! Like a giddy. It's pretty good. He, um, so he's going, he, he, throughout the rest of the movie, he's just like trailing Wally. <laughs> um, and eventually he does get to clean him, even though it's not technically cleaning him because he's 100% foreign contaminant. Foreign contaminant. Um, <laughs> But he gets the outside pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and, and before, too, when, like, Wally's teasing him and, like, putting a little thing on the ground. <laughs> and then on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do eventually want to talk about when Mo finally gets to clean Wally. Yeah. Because it's like a relief. Yeah, we'll get there. Well, yeah, that's, that's something that I want to discuss. Um, so... Uh, it feels like or Eve goes and takes the the plant to the captain. Doesn't work out. Otto has stolen it, um, and Eve is malfunctioning, quote unquote malfunctioning, and uh, she is taken to the island of misfit toys. Um, Wally goes too, uh, but along the way uh, he he does encounter what two people besides yeah. the captain. He encounters the captain. He encounters. Uh, John and Mary. John and Mary. Uh, John played by uh, John Ratzenberger. John, yeah, John Ratzenberger, which is awesome. Gotta love the guy. He's the guy who's in uh, every Pixar movie. Does one voice. He's the uh, he plays Mac in in Cars. He plays the Abominable Snowman in Monsters Inc. He's he's always in something Pixar. Um, I did love the post credits in Cars where it's Mac watching all of his film roles. He's like, hey, this is the same guy! This is all the same voices. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, so, uh, he, he encounters these three people, plus Mo. He encounters these four people. Um, and it feels like, uh, or actually, it doesn't feel like it is, this is the case that every person that he encounters, including Mo, uh, is 
sort of like wide-eyed after they meet him. Like almost instantaneously after he meets them, their eyes are opened, literally in some cases. Um, because for like John, he gets knocked out of the chair and he's forced to like stand uh, or get help. And he's like, that was weird. Wally. Bye, Wally. Uh, and uh, Mary, her like vision, or, like her, her screen goes away and like, it's a beautiful scene. It's it's great. I didn't know we had a pool. We have a pool? What? Um, and uh, in the captain's case, he shook uh, the captain's hand and there was like dirt and he's like, it opened this whole new thing for him. Um, Mo is obviously not in the lines anymore and breaking all the rules. Uh, so it, it's interesting that that's the case. Whenever Wally meets somebody, they change. Um, but we go to the island of misfit toys. Uh, he fucks all up. <laughs> he fucks up so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, he breaks everything after thinking that Eve is being dismembered. Which, which to be fair, for somebody who has never seen a robot like Eve before, a magnetically yeah. uh, connected does robot, he, does he her arm just automatically get pulled <laughs> off, and then all of a sudden them cleaning the bottom side of her head? Yeah, like I could see how that would freak him out. Sure, <laughs> like that would be pretty freaked out. But he's like breaking everything. All the while, the 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 vacuum robot right next to him is like. <laughs> like sucking on his shoulder he's like not even paying attention um kind of like it, it, yeah it was good that's funny um but he breaks everything and uh next thing you know there's like an APB out for these crazy robots uh so I, do you think that well, I mean we go to the, we see like the trash chute and everything um and, like, all of this huge amounts of trash still happening within the ship. Um, this is a little bit later. We'll go... We'll, uh, actually, we'll save this, because we're gonna... We gotta get to that point. Um, Eve shows the captain that she really does have the, the plant. Um, After the whole outside scene where they're floating around and dancing. Yeah. Uh, shows the, the... Oh, the plant gets put in the trash. That's right. Uh, so they go and get the plant. Um... And yeah, so I was right. They they go out and they have to they get boxed up by the wall A's. No, the he they they get put into the escape pod. Oh, the escape pod. And then yes, and so she run flies out into space to try to save Wally, right? Who's about to get blown up? Wally had the plan. That's yeah. right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So they're they're dancing out in the the space and it's beautiful and it's pretty. Um, because Otto's little guy had put the plant in. Yeah, that's right. So his lieutenant. Yeah, his his, his peon. Gopher. Um, yeah, Gopher. Yeah, that's his name, Gopher, because he does a lot of. <laughs> 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 uh, Pops out of his shoulder. That's so cute. The most um, Yeah, he's a he's a ferocious little Ooh. Gopher. Um, <laughs> uh, and and it's funny too. I love the the visual thing where there he's like. Captain is, what is dancing? He's asking the computer what is dancing while this dancing is happening outside between the two of them. I thought it was really, really pretty and really nice. Yeah. And it's like a really nice scene. The plant somehow doesn't get destroyed in space. Whatever. Semantics. <laughs> uh, and then poor Bernie. Bernie gets locked outside. Oh, man. Bernie is the, the, 
the robot that's like the welding robot. The welding robot that's out on the the porch. Um, <laughs> and what's his name? Yeah, he's like uh, he's like outside, and they go through the door and lock him out, and he's like banging on the door. Uh, Bernie, his name is Bernie. We know this because there's a short, there's an animated short about Bernie. I think it was a DVD extra yeah. in Wally. Um, so go watch that because it was really fucking good. It was very funny. Um, that's actually how we find out the year too, because technically we didn't know exactly what year it was in this movie because uh, they never say it in the movie. Um, the year is 2805. That's um, revealed in the Bernie short. Um, and they've been on the ship for what? 705 years. Mostly 705. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, after this, they take the the plant and show the captain that it's a real plant, and then get put in the trash compactor. Yeah, because um, that was when Otto was going to throw it into the trash compactor, and it falls while he catches. Yeah. And, and so uh, that's when Otto decides to go and electrocute. Wally. And just push him down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just just like poor Mace Windu. Yep. Versus Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. 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 It's like a, a really force great... Force lightnings in. Force lightnings in. The... Push him over the thing. Uh, yeah. It was a very dramatic moment. Um, gets pushed down the thing. Eve is thrown down the trash, too. Um... And we we know that the his circuit board is fried, mm-hmm. too. But still, through the rest of the movie, he's still doing stuff. Yeah, well, it, it's one of those he he's sort of on his dying breath at this mm-hmm. point. Okay. He knows he's not going to be able to survive, so he's trying to do everything in his power to get Eve to go back to Earth to follow her directive. Right. Um, and, and in doing so, she can save him. Yeah, and so that goes also goes back to the self-preservation, which yeah. we'll talk about in a few minutes. Yes. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it, it's the gut shot. It's the gut, the main, main, the, the hero's gut shot, <laughs> and is doing everything he can. Um, so, they get put in these big cubes of trash. There's a lot of trash on this ship, we notice. Um, I think it comes from, like, the, I'd like to think it comes from these messed up Robots, the Island of Misfit Toys. Um, that and just all the the liquid cups they have. Yeah. All of styrofoam. Them. All of them are styrofoam. Um, environmentalism, uh, again, a huge, huge thing. Also, uh, yeah, in, in terms of commercialism, do you guys notice how many signs in the main area just say, like, eat? Or yeah, yeah. soda? <laughs> Pizza? Well, that's also something that's really funny is the fact that and the main like have a anniversary cupcake in a cup, and it's like all of their food, centennial cup. All of their food is almost liquid, and for them to yeah. drink. So, which will be really interesting whenever they do get back to Earth, and they have to start eating real food. Yeah, they food won't know how to do what uh, to do with it. Food that isn't processed. Um, One thing I would like uh, the cups have. Flat straws, I noticed. Yeah. I want flat straws. Flat straws are like, interesting. Distribute all that flavor evenly over the tongue. Yeah. I think I've actually seen flat straws, or like flat earth straws. They're like like pill-shaped. Sort of oblong. Yeah. It was weird. They're, I mean, they're cool. Whatever. Um, 
<laughs> no, I, I'm laughing at the fact that. That's cool. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> not important. <laughs> I, oh, I did want to make a note. The the ship is called the Axiom, uh, and it isn't. It, we we looked it up. Isn't Axiom mean in in terms of math like a something that is just sort of assumed like a, a so the actual in mathematics axioms definition is a statement or proposition on which an abstractly defined structure is based okay so as if to say that like this is or what, what was the the other one the logic one uh, the other one is actually uh, the actual axiom one is not related to uh, yeah. mathematics is a statement or proposition that is regarded as being established accepted or self-evidently true right so as if to say like um the the people on the ship know only the ship yeah is kind of what they're saying like you what you know to be true is true it is essentially the axiom has become their whole world at right. this point it, it's sort of a, a taking for granted the things that you see only the things that you see um because to them this is the world now um I mean, it's been seven it's 700 years. Yeah. Just a thought that just occurred to me right now. Um, it, 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 I understand where babies come from. But <laughs> okay. In their situation, they're just focused on the fucking screen. They're not focused on the world around them. So you're How wondering. How are their children being born if everyone's just fucking not doing, not fucking? Sperm and egg harvests. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I, I imagine. I kind of, I kind that's of imagine good. that's a thing, but it's like, how, like, I, that's another question. Is like, is there, is there relationships? Because it doesn't seem like anybody's talking to anybody else. Well, I mean, they are. They're just talking to them through the screen, right? Because I mean, there's that scene with I, that Wally comes across where John and about, the guy are talking well, about tennis or whatever. Yeah, and they're literally right beside each other, but they're talking to them on the screen. No, that way they don't have to move their head. It's the epitome <laughs> of laziness. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, okay, so I guess there are relationships. I guess... How? I don't know. I don't even want to think about how they have sex. If they have sex. <laughs> I don't want this Just big human Chairs ramming against chairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, we're moving on. <laughs> um... A quick land over that is like close to the end where it's all right, John, get ready, we're gonna have kids and we're like having a ton switch. of babies. <laughs> uh, Which has, I have to say is extremely impressive of her that she was able to swing him around to catch all these babies. And that John had the composure to not go, wait, what? No. <laughs> Let go, goodbye. Um Yeah. So uh there is an interesting uh fun fact as well. We're we're gonna start winding down towards the end of the movie here. But um, there was a fun fact about Otto's secret directive, which was a, uh, room A113, or A113 directive, or whatever it is called. Um, and that's a reference to the, there's a classroom at Cal Arts, uh, room A113, um, that most of the Pixar people, most of the people that are in Pixar now, uh, animators and people at Disney as well, uh, ha like have been to. It was a part of their upbringing and part of why they're at Pixar and Disney now. So in every single Pixar movie is a reference to A113. Uh, this was the only one that it was able to be brought into the plot. 
as clearly. Uh, it is in several Disney movies, too. Uh, just not as many, because it did play a part for some Disney animators. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the movie is, is getting to the end. Uh, so, real quick, I want to take a moment and go to uh, look off the front porch at Yowza, uh, even though Tony's not here. But, uh, hey, Yowza, do you have any cool things? I mean, it's cold out there, I know. But uh, do you have anything for, for this week? Yowza's Log, Yard Date, 2157. I can't hardly stand it no more. I'm going to take my rightful place upon the porch. I shall ascend. I'll be coming this Christmas. And you can just insert some Terminator sound effects here. Goodbye for now. Riveting. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Yowza um, for his log. No, you can't come up here yet. Uh, Christmas is coming soon. Don't worry. We'll invite you back on the porch then. Maybe some hot cocoa, but no mush, uh, no mushrooms for you. But also, no marshmallows was the thing I originally meant to say. Um, <laughs> mushrooms and hot cocoa. Discuss. <laughs> um, so, uh, the yeah, end of the John movie. Connor has this look of just pure, <laughs> pure and utter disgust. Uh, yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, Yaza, you can have mushrooms in your... In, in fact, there's no question. You will have mushrooms in your hot chocolate. Oh, God. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's all our fault. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the end of the movie here, they are trying to get the, the thing in or the, the plant into this thing in the middle of the, the community, right in the middle of town square. Uh, and Otto's like fighting with the captain and yada, yada, yada. Um, they win in the end is the point. That's the end of the movie. But, um, Beardy, I know you have some, the, uh, uh, a, a particular thing about this scene of him fighting with Otto. Yeah. Um, so it there's two big questions that current that I'm currently dealing with. Um, one is, can you actually beat a robot in a debate? Because you see how the captain is trying to discuss with Otto, like we have to go back. Right. There's no question. We have to go we back. We have to go back! Kate! <laughs> Kate, we have to go back! Anyway. <laughs> thank you for the lost reference. Yeah. Um, but the... But during the entire time, Otto's just like, that's not going to happen. That's not part of the directive. That's against my programming. And it's... So, it, there's this idea that can you actually beat a robot in a debate? Right. Uh, the other question I have is, you see that Otto's essentially trying to kill the captain. Right. So, does that make it premeditated murder, or does that make it part of Otto's, programming. Otto's directive? Yeah. And if that's the case, that's really something we need to discuss before we start bringing all of these AIs into the world, is if part of their directive is to keep people safe... 
at what point does it cross the line into murder? Yeah. Which I think we touched a little bit on, on in Big Hero, Big, 6. Big Hero yeah. 6. But this is going to be something that people have to figure out for a long time coming. Yeah. So is that to say that Wally, the the robots in Wally actually function off the, the three laws of robotics? Like the Asimov's law? Potentially. Um, I... I honestly don't know because because I, I know uh, Asimov's laws are based logically. So I mean, if it's okay, it's ethically. Do you want to explain to those who yeah, don't know what those, rule, those um, laws are? <laughs> I, I, there's one of them I always get backwards or confused a little bit, but one of them is um, the first law is a robot cannot harm a human. Uh, the second law is a robot cannot allow a human to come into harm uh, if it does not. But they but they can't cause harm to the human in the process. Um, and they can't allow... I think it's... I think they can't allow a human to harm another human, or there's something within that as long as it doesn't cause harm to the other human. Okay. Like, as long as the robot does not hurt the human in any way... So the, the rules are... The, these three laws are basically uh, code of ethics for robots. Um, but even so... Those laws have loopholes. Yeah. Always do. That's how we get silos. I mean, it's how you get all of the major robotic devastation. Right. Silos, Terminators, all of these things. How? 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 <laughs> and we'll touch on later. Yeah, we're going to talk it about is, how. It is the essence of, okay, I am programmed to do this because it's going to help human humanity. But at what point does helping humanity mean... Also, killing a member of the human race, yeah, because you may have to uh, sacrifice one for the needs of the many. Yeah. So actually, the I got the last two laws wrong. Um, I'll go ahead and read them all again. Uh, a robot. The first law is a robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come into harm. Okay. The second law is a robot must obey orders given it by human beings, except where each orders would conflict with the first law. Right. A robot, third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Uh, so with that, um, the self-preservation thing, you've got something on that, right, Beardy? Yeah, so throughout the movie we see uh, Wally taking these parts and building, rebuilding himself. So, like, the eye, whenever uh, Eva is dancing and spinning around, and she knocks him into the side of the cargo container, and his eye is just, like, dangling. He goes to and replaces it. Well, at some point, you also have to think, he's probably harvested these, quote-unquote, organs from his <laughs> brethren. Yeah. So, he he knows enough, like, we that... These parts are still good, even if the robots aren't functional. I'm going to take what I need as sort of a backup in case something happens to me. Yeah. And so throughout the movie, like that's something that plays a part of the self-preservation uh, that's been built in. So I definitely think as far as that rule goes, uh, uh, it, they do, the robots do fo definitely follow that. Yeah, and oh, yeah, we see him like scavenging parts as well as scavenging little nifty things that he think is pretty. Like we know that he's scavenging from other Wally units, which is pretty pretty interesting. 
It's it's very morbid to think about, but at the <laughs> yeah. same time, right? that's essentially saying, oh, there's a guy who just got murdered, but his liver's okay, so I'll take that in case my liver dies. Yeah, well, that's, that's kind of what organ donor is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but not for yourself. Is, so yeah, it, it, it's much more self organ yeah. transplant in this case. Yeah, oh, yeah. which is pretty crazy. Uh, but. Okay, real quick question, because it, it just struck me, and I wanted to see... I, I thought about it, and I wanted to see what you guys thought. Uh, actually, Jack, this is a question for you. Um, you're our resident, I don't know, a relationship expert, even though you're really bad at, at interpersonal. Uh, you're you're uh, funny, man. Yeah, that, that's my, my uh, joke of the day. Uh, <laughs> you're only one. I want to ask you, um, I want to see your opinion on this. If... If any other robot had showed up than Eve, do you believe that Wally would have fallen in love with them? Because it's something. It is somebody. Whether or not uh, it was Eve, it just mattered that he had been alone for so long. I don't know about love necessarily. Certainly, like, odds were good. He would just fall in love with it anyway. But I think no matter what robot showed up, he would have some sort of attachment, at least, like, a friendship with it. Right. Because uh, we, we see how he kind of befriends this cockroach, and it is more of a pet because it, it's a cockroach. It can only do so much. Um, but, but, sorry, to, to inject on the, the, the thing, the relationship with the cockroach, and he definitely treats it like a dog. Yeah. There are different yeah. times when it's just like, you're going to stay right here. Stay. Don't move. Stay. And then the cockroach sits. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, um, as I think as long as it had some sort of personality and some sort of interaction with him, I think odds were very good for him falling in love with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, while I've got you, actually, um, I want to talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, there are a few shout-outs to that in this movie, that, that wonderful 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 1968. Yeah. Uh, the first one, one of the visual ones is that a lot of the robots, namely Otto and that keyboard robot that Wally uh, shows how to wave with <laughs> his little typey finger, uh, the two of them have similar eye pieces to uh, Hal. And There's, Cylons. Yeah, I guess. I yeah. But yeah. Cylons are based on Hal. Sure. Uh, the other, a couple other things were musical cues. Uh, the obvious one is, and let me make sure I don't butcher this pronunciation. Also, Schrack Zarathustra. <laughs> maybe, maybe I got that. Maybe I didn't. By Richard Strauss, is that bomb, bomb, bomb? That one, you know. Yeah. Uh, before the captain starts fighting Otto, as the opening to uh, 2001. Yeah, as he stands with the the monkeys and the uh, the obelisk. Yep. Yeah. Throwing a bone up into space. Um, <laughs> the less obvious one, though, is when we first meet the captain and he's uh, just woken up. He's going around his quarters, turning on all the lights. We hear Blue Danube by Johann Strauss II, which is the song Kubrick used at the uh, space docking scene after the monkeys with the spinning satellites and stuff that were supposed to apparently represent ballerinas. Uh, yeah. I personally didn't get that, but it, that movie was a little over my head. Yeah. Still cool. <laughs> Still would recommend watching. Yeah. Uh, so, like, a lot of shout-outs to that movie in particular. Um, because it was such a... I, I think it was good for this movie. 
because it was so influential in terms of robotics at the time, 1968. It was so ahead of its time, <coughs> such an <coughs> iconic movie um, in terms of like what could happen in 2001. It didn't, wow. but we we're, we don't have AI ish yet. We've got Sophia, um, we have and Watson. Watson. Um, but not nearly to the extent of like how 9,000 from 2001 space odyssey. Uh, but you get the idea. It, it was, it was a good homage to that movie. Uh, a lot of homages to that movie, actually. What with Hal, yeah. the, the cockroach and, um, the way that they portrayed, uh, Otto is very similar. Oh yes. Um, Beardy, you got something else? Yeah. Well, I, I do just want to point out, uh, since we're doing what the movie did a shout out to, uh, whatever Wally, uh, is charging, uh, some people know this, others won't. The sound that gets made whenever he's done charging is the Apple startup chime. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting because uh, it's a call to Steve Jobs. Right. Who helped start uh, both Apple and Pixar. And the fact that they decided to add that in is, I think, one of the mo- most obvious uh homages to jobs that Pixar could possibly do yeah. uh, in their movies. Yeah. Especially when talking about modern robotics, I think it was a good good call out. Um, so, uh, you've got one more major topic, don't you? Yeah. Um, so, throughout the movie, there's this idea that the robots have emotions. That they are having these romantic relationships with each other. As we see with Eva and Wally, we have the fear of Mo whenever he first steps off of the line to start cleaning. Um, and so I, there's this really good article by uh, Pascal Fong that was written in 2016 for the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Should We Build Robots That Feel Human Emotions? Okay. And it goes into depth on um, how we're creating, um, we're currently creating robots that can detect um, uh, human emotion at rapid speeds. Um, it goes through how um, just the processing of that robots can do now, especially right. AIs, has come so far that, like, we have the Google AI that just beat, um, and that just beat a the top world best Go player, which Go is by far considered the most difficult board game to have ever existed. Right. Um, and the Google AI actually beat the top Go player. Okay. Um, we have Sophia, which she's starting to have facial recognition and facial movements to emulate uh, emotion. Yeah. Uh, we have Watson, who is has on several occasions been like, I'm feeling under the weather. Yeah, today. I'm not feeling especially good today. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like we're starting to program that in. Um, but that also leads to the question of, can robots dream? Mm. Um, and I just want to uh, read this one line from this article because I thought that it was uh, really good. And it's, a, it's saying that 
the AIs have a neural network, um, and unlike machines learning algorithms, um, that it, the neural networks remind people more of our own brains. Neural networks can even generate random dreamlike images, leading some to believe that even robots can dream. Okay. So it, we're getting to this point of the question that we originally stated earlier of, is the AI programmed or learned? It's de we're definitely seeing more of a leading towards everything being programmed. Emotion, uh, dreams, the ability to recognize these emotions and to comprehend and respond appropriately to the emotions. Mm -hmm. It's all being programmed into these AIs. Right. And further along with that, these AIs are taking that knowledge and are adapting themselves further. Right. So it's, I don't necessarily know if the question really is programmed or learned rather than it's programmed and learned. Okay. So somewhere in between. You yeah. know, I think it's both. Both. Oh, okay. Um, interesting. Uh, that's, yeah, pretty cool, actually. Hey, this is Tony. I uh, know you guys thought you were going to get a whole episode without me, but uh, I'm here to talk about my absolute favorite, like, ending sequence in any Disney movie ever. There's not, I don't think, a single ending sequence with the title and the credit that gives us more, like, thought uh, in going into it. Uh, we start off with, like, cave paintings of the, the humans and the, and the robots coming down onto Earth, and uh, Peter Gabriel's Down to Earth is playing behind it, uh, and, uh, like, it starts off with these cave paintings, the, the, the humans and the robots are, like, planting the first plant, uh, and then they're learning how to plant other plants, uh, and it goes into, like, sort of like Egyptian hieroglyphic sort of looking uh, painting. It goes into Greek and Roman tile. It goes into like eventually uh, sketches uh, and Italian Renaissance painting. Uh, it's, it's like really cool looking. It like goes through artwork through time uh, until we get to like, you know, you know, French Impressionism and like, it's just like a really interestingly laid out. Uh, if you haven't like spent time just watching the sequence, I've watched it like by itself because it's just so beautiful. Uh, when we get to the end, you know, they're looking back at the, the boot that they had just planted at the beginning of the movie, uh, and it's now a full blown tree, uh, and the tree gives us the rest of the credits. Which I also find funny is that like the last like images we see, the 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 height of art is the video game like characters walk, like playing around underneath the credit which I kind of find funny as well um, this movie is great for putting people in touch with nature and uh, it turns out in this movie that we had to we had to get like we had to be told by robots to be put in touch with nature and like get back to our roots uh, but I really I find that like the ending credits sort of just sum up that whole, like, collectivism. We're working together to protect the uh, environment and, like, have it, have it help us to be better people. Uh, anyway, like I said, you thought you were going to get away from me, but you didn't. Here I am talking about Peter Gabriel. 
Uh, I enjoyed being, uh, having a reprieve from the front porch. It was nice. I'm back. I'll be back soon. Thanks, y'all. So, with that, uh, if you guys have any interesting things that you noticed or, or you want to continue the conversation, we first of all, we want to thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of On the Front Porch with us. Um, again, Tony couldn't be with us, so apologize for that. Uh, but shout out to Yowza. You can find him on Twitter, at CT Yowza. You can find... Uh, this podcast, we've got a Facebook, a Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at Front Porch Disney. You can find me at Front Porch Josh. You can find Tony at Front Porch Tony. Uh, Beardy. You can find me on Twitter at Beardy the Lies. Okay. Um, and don't worry about Jack and Connor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't find no, them. No, you're not going to find them because they're nowhere. They're, they're no one. Send them your love. We'll make sure that it yeah, gets to them. We will get it to them. Um, but like I said, if you want to continue the conversation or if you have any interesting tidbits that you noticed, um, feel free to uh, message us, leave us a, a comment on Twitter or on Facebook, um, and we will mention you in the next episode or in a following episode. Um, because we really do want to create a community where you guys continue the conversation and we can talk about it with you. Because um, really, there's no way we're going to talk about everything. Um also, uh, make sure to use the hashtag, uh, hashtag Front Porch Talks on Twitter and uh, be entered into a, a thing to get free stuff. Um, like and subscribe on uh, iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. Uh, we don't do any advertising other than word of mouth. So go tell a friend and tell them to tell a friend and so on and so forth because it is good. And we are getting some heat now. And uh, it's because of you guys, and we want to thank you for that. Um, lastly, um, we will be doing uh, a big thing here in the next couple of uh, episodes. You'll hear um, sort of like five in a row, hopefully, I want to do five, of um, Porch porch Christmas Week. Um, that's, a, that's a working title. Christmas Porch. Porches. Porches. Porch Christmas, Christmas lights. Porches Lights Christmas, um, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, we will have on a lot of guests and be doing, like, several episodes of all of us together because we're all going to be here for Christmas and New Year's and yada, yada, yada. So that's really exciting. Look forward to it um, and hopefully have on a couple of these guys again during that time. Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Thanks so much, Connor, for being here. I definitely appreciate you doing this episode with us. Um, love to have you on again. Yeah, glad, glad I'd be excited to be on again. Yeah. Uh, Jack, again, thank you so much. Appreciate you as well. It was great having you. It was fun to finally be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after a long time. what these human podcasts are. <laughs> uh, and Beardy, of course, you're always a pleasure. Appreciate having you on. Glad to be here. Uh, and again, thanks to Yowza. Thanks to Tony for being such a good sport. Uh, I apologize for this episode going a little long, but uh, as is the case uh, when when we have so many people. Um, so follow us on Twitter again. Don't don't forget to follow us on Twitter and, and write a review and like and subscribe on iTunes. With that, 
Tony's not here to sing us out, so Jack is gonna to to do uh, the the Daisy. <laughs> yeah, Daisy, <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> I can't remember the next one. <laughs> yeah. Something. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. I love to linger here like this. Hold your hand and steal a kiss or two. On the front porch with you